Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But it, I think it's been great to this point. Really appreciated uh, the enthusiasm for the work, and I think we've had a lot of stuff go in. You know, obviously everything defensively is install, and then after that, you know, we're with the new quarterbacking and how that's going. It's uh, there's been a lot of new things. So, I, but I think it's gone in fairly well. It's a pretty good midway point. We've done it before where we had, we started right after spring break and then we had to kind of crank it out. So I, I actually like the break. I think it's good for them. I think it gives the, you know, us coaches a chance to reflect a little bit on the first couple weeks and, you know, detail a few things, maybe look at what we need to work on and then, you know, get into that second half with, an, with another good plan. Yeah, I know a lot of guys are uh, ready to kind of uh, take the load off and get off their feet for a little bit. But, I mean, we've only had five or we five or six practices before break, I think six. So it's really not too bad. It's kind of a nice, nice time break right there in the middle. So, Well, that's at the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. As you heard it there from Mike Riley, Danny Langstorff, and Mick Stoltenberg. The Huskers are on spring break. And for Robin Washett and Nate Klaus and I, I know we used to have some pretty good spring breaks. But we are <laughs> spending our spring break here uh, taping a late edition of the Husker Online Show. Apologize for all you Thursday lunch guys that wanted the show by lunch, uh, but Nebraska practiced Thursday night. We got to watch practice. Uh, we thought it only made sense that we watched all the final practices here uh, before taping this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. But uh, six practices in the book uh, for Nebraska as uh, they go into spring break. They'll have eight more to go when they get back. Um, including what probably will be two major scrimmages and then the red-white game on April 15th. Um, lots to kind of digest. I mean, you, you look at all the angles with what Bob Diaco is doing on defense. Uh, you look at the play of the quarterbacks. Um, you could go a lot of ways, Robin, but what's jumped out to you the most here at the midway point? Yeah, I would probably just say the overall crispness of the offense. And granted, we've only seen a handful of actual scrimmage situations and nothing really where anybody's tackling to the ground. So you take all this stuff with a grain of salt, but just from a pure execution standpoint, uh, it's been so much better, uh, especially from what we've seen over the past few years. Uh, you know, it's almost the accept or you're almost surprised when a ball hits the ground or is intercepted. You know, it doesn't it, happen very often. Yeah, I mean, it's, everything is just very efficient and executed, um, almost to darn near perfection. And uh, certainly, uh, got to be an encouraging thing for this coaching staff that is undergoing some pretty massive transitions on both sides of the ball. I feel like it's the the energy throughout practice and the kind of the enthusiasm I feel like guys are dialed in uh I, I feel like the practices as a whole are a little bit more up tempo than what we've seen a little less standing around and and uh, and things like that so uh and definitely I think Bob Diaco and the defensive coaches have brought a little a little bit more flavor to that defense some more energy there and guys are feeding off of that um you know usually that last practice before spring break can be a little sloppy because guys are looking forward to having a week off and and I felt like for the most part uh today 
day that the practice was pretty crisp and um, and we saw some good things prior to the break. Yeah, the strategy too was interesting. Mike Riley kept the team extra late on Thursday. I mean, they were practicing well past six fifteen, um, and then they're still going to make the players come in on Friday and have four p.m. in the afternoon meetings. So um, kind of making it hard for you to have that getaway early escape. You know, I I, we, I can joke. Remember, we all knew guys that would practically leave for spring break on Wednesday (laughs) and and extend that thing to about a week and a half where uh, these guys know what they're doing. They're making sure the players, um, you know, are focused. And most of the guys I talk to are sticking around. I mean, you don't get, I don't, every year you always get kind of that one kind of cool group on the team and they take the big trip to Florida or wherever. I didn't get the sense. I mean, most of the guys I've dealt with or talked to said they're just going to stay here in Lincoln. They are going to go back to their hometown, but you don't hear of anybody kind of doing that big exotic trip to Panama City or, um, you know, those places. So it's a pretty focused group. I think it's the first time, too, Robin, where I, I feel like this truly is kind of Mike Riley's team. Uh, I think the first two years, especially, you had so many holdovers or guys from the Pelini regime that were pretty prominent names. And last year, they lost about 30 of those guys yeah. to graduation. And, and it, the roster really has changed over a lot. Yeah, whenever you lose that many seniors, it's going to change the entire dynamic of your team. And um, like you mentioned, now they have a bunch of guys that uh, have spent nearly all or the better part of their careers uh, with Mike Riley and the, the bulk of his staff. And, um, you know, obviously there's there's still a lot of new uh, newness going on that, you know, they're still trying to kind of find their way. But uh, from a familiarity standpoint, as far as what the expectations are from Mike Riley and, you know, obviously Danny Langsdorf and, and a lot of the returning coaches, um, that has helped, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier with the efficiency. I mean, guys know what they're supposed to do. They know what's expected of them. And, uh, you know, obviously as the things can continue to settle in on the defensive side of the ball, um, that'll only get better over the course of the year. I think the other dynamic that's kind of played into to the favor of, of things is that there's competition across the board at pretty much every position. I feel like there's guys who are still fighting for their jobs where that always hasn't been the case in the past where you know the there's been guys who you know had jobs wrapped up already and, and the competition uh, may have been kind of you know they're kind of a false sense of competition maybe so I feel like that's kind of been something that's pushing guys and and keeping guys dialed in as well you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robin Washett Nate Klaus later will be joined by Matt Reynoldson in uh, the mailbag segment but Huskers uh, at at the sixth practice point in the books some basketball news too we wanted to get to here in the open but uh, we are going to talk a lot of spring football throughout the show Robin uh, Nebraska basketball lost Jariah Horn this week, a story first broken by our own Eric Bossy at Rivals.com, very well-connected guy in the Kansas City area, and then you were able to speak to Jariah yourself this week and, and confirm it with him officially. Um, what's your, I guess, thoughts on this? Were you surprised? Did you see it coming? Why did Jariah Horn leave Nebraska? Yeah, not a total surprise by any stretch, but certainly disappointing. Um, you know, I think most people saw – what Jariah brought to the table, particularly offensively. Um, you know, he was one of those natural scorers that for a team that struggled all year long putting points on the board, uh, to lose him, I mean, it's a blow. There's no way to disguise it. But uh, when you also take into account the up-and-down dramatic nature of his playing time 
all year long, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, for every game, you know, where he scores 18 points against Southern or 16 points against Purdue, you would have, you know, two did not plays per coach's decision or would play eight minutes and miss two shots and not record a single stat. Uh, I mean, so that roller coaster. Um, what did Matt Painter say again? Uh, was it you? They and- didn't scout him. They did not scout for him at all because the game before he didn't, he hardly played. I mean, he played maybe a handful of minutes. So uh, that was the game he came in and had his, maybe his best game as a Husker. And Nebraska doesn't win that game against Purdue without Jariah Horn. And Purdue, best, best win of any team in the Big Ten, arguably, down the stretch. Purdue did not prepare for him at all. So, I mean, that that's a perfect example of just kind of the season he had. And um, what it came down to as far as why he left, uh, Nebraska wanted him to be more of a perimeter guard-type player, uh, kind of to, to shape his body to be more uh, athletically inclined to play, you know, that two-guard spot, um, you know, because of his shooting ability uh, and the, the need for that. Um, but he sees himself more as kind of a stretch four. Uh, you know, he's listed at 6'7", 222. Um, so, I mean, he, he's kind of in that, that tweener body type that he needs to go one way or the other and clearly some differing opinions on what his future at this level would be. So uh, I think that he and his camp felt it was better fit to go somewhere else and uh, try and find some place where they can, you know, use his skill set the way they want to. So I love in basketball, you can say he and his camp. Oh, in yeah. basketball, there's every, always a camp. Every, every player has a camp. You don't get camp. that as in football near as much, do you, Nate, the, the camp? Well, there's it depends on what type of player you are. <laughs> sure, some camps. Yeah, there's there's a handful of guys, but not nearly as many as yeah, in basketball. basketball. Everybody has a camp. Okay, briefly as we wrap it up, Robin, um, how many? So they have two spots left now. Two open scholarships. Michael Jacobson, not Michael Jacobson. Nick Fuller. Nick Fuller. Excuse yeah, they, me. Including the Nick Fuller and Dryer Hone open up two scholarships in 2017. They're still actively recruiting. You know, a couple high school kids. Mark Smith, transfer could fill in there too. Mark maybe? Smith out of Illinois, and then another kid from Minneapolis, uh, Taiwan. Uh, Pickford, uh, so a couple guards they're looking at, and then obviously as things progress, that transfer list is going to grow upwards around 700 names, um, and then there's also the JUCO market, so a lot of time still for this to play out, but uh, clearly a guard is one way they're trying to fill one of those spots. So the basketball season far from over from for Robin Washington, as it's going to be uh, a pretty busy spring here as Nebraska still with two spots left to fill. When we come back, we're going to shift back over to spring practice. Uh, we're going to give just kind of some positional thoughts here on where things are at, including with that quarterback race with Tanner Lee and Patrick O'Brien. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We, we do, but we're not, we're not going to announce anything about it. We're, there is no need to because we want them all to – to think competition and performance and production and let them keep playing. Uh, so that's that's where it's at. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Mike Riley asked here uh, before uh, the end of Thursday's practice, um, has anybody pulled ahead or made a move at that quarterback position? And more or less he said, yes, somebody has, or guys have made more moves than the others, but we're not going to tip our hand on that right now. And I think most of us would here in this room agree that that's probably Tanner Lee. Uh, that's made those moves as Robin Washington and Nate Klaus rejoined the conversation. But we've hit on this the last few weeks. This quarterback race is going to continue to be a quote-unquote race until probably August. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right way to go about it. That's what they said they were going to do all along, and uh, they're clearly not going to differ from that plan. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think if I were to name a starter if my for my team, it would be Tanner Lee, and I probably wouldn't hesitate much on that. Uh, Tanner Lee 
has been about as consistent uh, as you could have hoped for. Uh, I mean, he is just immaculately accurate with his passes. You hardly ever see anything that is not, if it's not in stride, it's like barely a little bit off target to where guys are still able to make an easy play on the ball. And uh, from what we've had seen the previous, you know, X amount of years, um, you know, before that, uh, that's certainly a nice improvement. And I know guys like Stanley Morgan Jr. and DeMornay Pearsonell are uh, loving every bit of being able to have, you know, passes thrown to them uh, where they don't have to reach back for the ball or stop their routes or come back five yards to try and make a play. So um, it, it's certainly a testament to just the, the improvements all around that position is made from, you know, last year to this year. Nate, what's interesting, too, is if it is indeed Lee, like you and I probably agree right now, um, he's going to kind of fly under the radar. I mean, there's going to be like no preseason pub on this guy. And it will be interesting to see if it plays out like we think it could with this guy next year. Um, you know, how, how fast he kind of emerges as possibly a, a threat in this conference. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that either don't know anything about him and, and are caught, caught him kind of off guard by how polished she is as, as a quarterback and as a passer. Um, you know, or they're just going to look at his two lane stats yeah, too. Yeah, are going to be you know just not give him a whole lot of a whole lot of credit for uh, the type of player he is. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that he's going to catch some people off guard. Um, but let me say this: I I, I feel like Patrick O'Brien is has done very well so far in this competition, and um, you know and. Even though that Tanner Lee's been getting all the pub and everything, I feel like Patrick O'Brien has definitely impressed me with how he's handled himself so far, um, and he's definitely making it interesting. At least uh, everyone wants to talk about Tanner Lee, but uh, I feel like Patrick's got a bright future ahead of him as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robert Wash, and Nate Klaus. As uh, we're at the spring break point, other guys on this offense that have jumped out: Stanley Morgan Jr. I mean, having just a phenomenal spring. I'd put DeMornay Pearsonell in that category as well when, when you look at uh, how he's looked at times this year. Um, I think both those receivers could be different type of players with these new quarterbacks. I think Stanley Morgan could break records this year if he can stay healthy. A shot at the first 1,000-yard receiver. I mean, he, he is just looks like an NFL player. And in fact, on Thursday, you know, both of you guys, I made the comment, you know, there was a play where Tanner Lee – uh, found Stanley over the top of the defense, hit him perfectly in stride for a touchdown. And I, t- I said to you guys, that was about as close to an NFL-looking play as we've seen in a Nebraska practice on offense in a long, long time. Uh, it just it, it had that look to it. And, man, if Stanley it can live up to you know the potential that he shows he has, he, I mean, we're talking about a, a ceiling that is – Wait, what would Jordan say? The roof, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof for Stanley Morgan Jr. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely playing at a very very high level right now, and and I don't know if he understands how how good of a or how high of a level he, he's actually at. Um, and he's for a guy who's just coming off his sophomore season has. Uh, I mean, I feel like he's really taken off as not only as a player but as a leader too he's definitely a voice on not just in that wide receiver room but on this team um and that connection between lee and and uh, morgan jr is going to be very very real this year you're listening here to the husker line show sean callahan rama washett nate klaus now let's look at the offensive line i mean i I think um there's still a lot of questions with this group i'll kind of go down the line of things i'm looking at or concerned at 
Left tackle, I think Nick Gates um, still is trying to kind of emotionally get back at it after that bowl game against Tennessee and Derek Barnett. And you've seen just some, you know, he just physically looks lighter, doesn't look as good as we've seen. Um, Center, I I think there's a lot of questions still. Is Michael Decker really good enough to be the guy? Or is John Raritan, um, you know, experienced enough as a redshirt freshman to win the job? That's one I'm looking at. Then right tackle, David Neville. So, uh, that's a position where we still don't really know, Robin, kind of who's going to be those starters and, and emerge um, here over the spring. Yeah, the, the Gates deal is somewhat concerning uh, just because uh, we all saw what happened to him in that bowl game uh, where Derek Barnett kind of took his lunch money and <laughs> left him beat up on the corner. I mean, that that, that was a tough deal for him uh, in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, he came back this spring and just hasn't really quite looked like the same guy uh, both physically and mentally. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, there was a point, you know, I think it was last Saturday when, you know, he was walking off the field, uh, going to a different station or whatever, and he, like, patted Mike Riley on the back and, you know, said a joke to him. And Riley says to him, hey, Nick, it's good to see that smile again. And um, that kind of shows just kind of where Nick was, you know, not too far off um, in, in the past here. That He was uh, rattled. Yeah, this is something that he's been having to deal with, and Nebraska is keeping its fingers crossed uh, that he can find a way to shake out of that. And I think just getting back on the field is going to do a lot of good for him uh, because every rep you take, that's one rep further away from that Tennessee game that you're going to get. And I think that's going to do a lot of good for him uh, to just kind of just remove himself uh, from that really bad day and get back to the Nick Gates that we know that he can be. Well, there's no question about that. They Nebraska needs Nick Gates to be back to the Nick Gates to, that they know he can be because the the level of depth there at, at both tackle spots is razor thin. Uh, you know, you've got Cole Conrad working out at, at that number two left tackle, uh, but really he's a guy who could fill in anywhere across the board. And he's really the number two right tackle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, David Neville, I, I think, is is working on a very short leash uh, this year after having an underwhelming uh, season last year. So, uh, you know, and we'll see what happens there. I, I feel like so far, though, that line – has been doing okay. Um, you know, probably hasn't exceeded my expectations, but has definitely not been disappointing either. Yeah, here's another thing that's going to factor into that. Uh, you know, regardless of how much progress the line makes, the offense is going to do a lot to help that offensive line with their play calling. Uh, you know, Mike Riley made that clear in his opening spring press conference. We're going to see more draws, a lot more screen passes. And guess what? You have quarterbacks that can check the ball down, too, that aren't just going to stand in the pocket and wait to get hit. So uh, the the, the offensive line, I think, will be better. But more importantly, they're going to get a lot more help uh, from the other offensive pieces around. And and that check down, guys, is going to be one of the new weapons in this offense. We really didn't see the last two years. Tommy Armstrong preferred to run it versus checking it down, where these guys aren't going to run it to get four or five yards. They're going to check it down. And we've already seen Mikel Wilbon and Trey Bryant particularly They've become excellent checkdown backs. There was even a good play on Thursday where Luke McNitt caught a ball in the flats. I think the fullback could also uh, factor in more as a receiver because McNitt is – I wouldn't want to tackle McNitt in the open field when he's running. I mean, he's a, he's a bull to bring down. Yeah, no doubt. And they're going to use all their weapons at their disposal. And there was a play on, on Thursday as well, you know, when they're working on their red zone stuff where, uh, you know, all the routes downfield were covered – 
and uh, Tanner Lee swings it out to Wilbon uh, on the left flat, and w- Wilbon goes untouched for a touchdown. I mean, so you don't need to make those force those throws that we've seen so many times, or try to run it. Yeah, or try to run it. I mean, you got to just sometimes let you know, the playmakers around you make plays. And uh, to these quarterbacks' credit, both Patrick O'Brien and uh, Tanner Lee, uh, they're more than willing to do that, and I think that's going to pay off big. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to shift over to pro day. Nebraska held their pro day in Lincoln. We got a chance to see Tommy Armstrong, Sam Cotton. Uh, Brandon Riley, Seaton Carter, Nathan Gary, a number of guys work out. We're going to talk about what they did at Pro Day. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think I prepared well uh, throughout those two months of preparing for it. Uh, Coach Doug uh, helped me out a lot and uh, got me ready for those routes. And uh, we threw we threw a lot as well. And, I think I did a pretty good job of uh, you know running and doing uh, three cones and uh, 60 yard shuttle and things like that. So uh, overall, I think it was a pretty good day. Yeah, it's it's big. You know, I always joke. People always say, you know, he might have deceptive speed and stuff like that. So hopefully, hopefully I proved you know I could throw that throw that word out for a little while. All uh, month long training had been going really well. The jumps had been going well. So I was anticipating to have a good jump, but then that little adrenaline boost on you know on actual competition day definitely helped out and. Just, uh, Appreciate all the scouts coming out. I know it's not easy to travel travel all across the country to, to get to every college, so we definitely appreciate those guys. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as Nebraska held their pro day on Tuesday. 23 NFL teams in attendance uh, to watch really almost everybody work out. No no Josh Bandera, Jordan Westerkamp, Michael Rose-Ivy, uh, but Seaton Carter, um, ran the 40, did bench press. You had Nathan Gary even uh, run the 40 and also redo his vertical um, at Pro Day. But really, the, the Pro Day, Robin, was big for guys like Brandon Riley, Terrell Newby, Sam Cotton, Alonzo Moore. Uh, they really needed Tuesday. And I think those guys, I mean, the four names right there all had outstanding workouts and numbers, the numbers they needed to kind of put out there. Yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, 23 uh, scouts um, from, I think, about 20-some teams. I know there was a couple teams that had multiple scouts there. So uh, that was a great spotlight uh, for these guys to get. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there was I personally would have loved to see, you know, a guy like Brandon Riley, you know, see what he could do at the Combine. But uh, this was, you know, the next best opportunity for him, and he took advantage. Um, you know, I think he came in wanting to, you know, like he mentioned in the Open, show that uh, he was more than just deceptive speed or a lunch pail guy or, you know, <laughs> whatever uh, <laughs> a little phrase you can use for – that type of player. Uh, and I think he did that. You know, he ran in the low four fours and uh, showed that he is a legitimate athlete. And, um, you know, lo- along with Alonzo Moore, who also had a very good testing day, um, you know, I think those guys caught some NFL attention. And maybe the guy that benefited more than anybody was Sam Cotton. And let's uh, go through his numbers. Yeah, uh, Sean, four, can... four, seven, five in the 40, 10, seven in the broad jump, standing broad, and then a 35 inch vertical. So, um, you know, for a tight end, those are outstanding numbers put up by Sam Cotton. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, just talk about different guys that made the most of their opportunity. Terrell Newby is another guy who, you know, thought he did pretty well. Uh, Kevin Maurice, uh, you know, so there's some guys that I think have legitimate NFL potential that were able to get their names, I'm sure, fully placed on uh, the radars of some NFL teams. And uh, we haven't even talked about Tommy Armstrong. we probably get a little bit more into him. But, uh, yeah, definitely a, a great, um, you know, just, just overall situation uh, that I think most Nebraska guys took advantage of. 
You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus, as we talk pro day for Nebraska. And Tommy Armstrong had, you know, his workout. I think that, honestly, the numbers he put up were a cut above I, I what I thought he was. And I've Nate and I have worked around combines. I mean, we, we ran a combine series where we set up combines and tested, you know, 5,000 kids in one summer. So, we, I mean, both – I feel like we have a pretty good handle on – numbers of what guys can do Nate when we look at guys did you see Tommy at all as a guy in the four fives with a 37 and a half inch vertical no that, that kind of surprised me I mean I knew Tommy was a heck of an athlete um, and there was times when he got in the open field where he, he showed some speed but I didn't think he was four or five type of speed and uh, and to, to pull off a 37 and a half inch vertical I mean he showed that he was really, really explosive. So obviously he's back from that that hamstring injury, uh, totally because um, I I did not see those types of numbers coming. But I, I always thought of him as like a four six five yep. guy with like a thirty inch vertical. I mean, yeah. when you start to get in that thirty seven and a half range, I mean that answers a lot of questions. That he could play receiver now. Those numbers he put up, he's big enough, good enough to be. You know, a receiver type guy it reminds me of Philip Bates. Nate, I wrote this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what I wrote this in this week, but what he did reminded me a lot of Phil Bates uh, from Omaha North, a bigger kind of quarterback that could run well, but ended up going in the NFL as a receiver. And who knows if Tommy will make it? But that's a guy that he kind of reminds me of for some reason. Well, he's got the athletic attributes that someone's going to give him a shot somewhere, somehow doing something, uh, because he put up the type of numbers that uh, you know people aren't going to look past. So, and 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 let's face it, I mean, he's played a lot of football. Um, he he knows the game, and uh, he he you know, like I said, he's going to get a shot somewhere with someone. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus says. Uh, we discussed Nebraska's pro day. Uh, Nathan Gary Robin um, ran again uh, in the 40. I think he was really wanting to get in the 4-4s. I mean, I think he was a high 4-4 to low 4-5 guy at pro day. Uh, there's 30 watches going, so it's kind of hard to know what the official mark was because Nebraska wasn't running their own official watch. I think the scouts actually prefer to run all of their own watches on it. Um, so no, I don't know if Nebraska even does what they would no. call an official watch anymore. They don't. Each one of those guys, those scouts, has a watch, and you know they don't really care what the average is. They care about what their watch says, and that's the number they're going to use. That's just kind of the, the stubbornness of NFL teams sometimes. But um, yeah, I, you know, Nate did just kind of what he needed to today uh, or during pro day, and you know, I, th- I thought he did okay. You know, he didn't run that very well at the combine, so getting another crack at it to show that you know he's a little bit faster than what he showed, I thought was good. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think Nate's put himself in position to to be drafted. Um, you know, whether it's at a, as a linebacker or as a safety, I think kind of depends on the. No, team. I I just can't see linebacker though. You really just think that so. that hybrid role. I mean, you know, I mean he's he's an in the box safety. Yeah, yeah, and but I mean, shoot, look at what Brian Urlacher was a safety who came in and ended up being a all, all pro middle linebacker. So uh, it can be done. I'm not saying Nate's going to be that type of guy, but. Uh, there are teams that you know, have told him that they're looking at him as a linebacker. So, I mean, that's not out of the question. Uh, and so, you know, I think that he's just too talented of an athlete um, to, to not be drafted. And I think that, you know, both him and Seth Carter um, you know, will hear their names called at some point in that draft and keep Nebraska's streak alive. Now, Nebraska will have kind of another mini pro day um, in the first week of April. Josh Banderas, Jordan Westerkamp, Michael Rose Ivy, and then a former Notre Dame and now Cincinnati quarterback Gunnar Keel 
is also expected to be up at Nebraska. He shares the same agent as Westerkamp, uh, so he could be the guy throwing uh, to them. But um, it was disappointing. I would have loved to have seen Banderas run. I had heard he had been running consistently in the four sixes. And um, if he does that, I think that's going to answer a lot of questions because um, a lot of people think Banderas is more like a four eight, four nine guy. And if he runs four sixes, um, he's going to have a really good chance, Robin, I think, to get it held onto an NFL roster somewhere. Now he's another one of those guys that I think is a much better athlete than people think. And it was was disappointing um, that he you know didn't uh, participate in pro day, but. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of the way the, the way things work. But um, you know, I think that he, once he does, you know, get his chance uh, to test in front of NFL teams, I think he's going to open some eyes. Uh, you know, because he was an exceptional athlete in high school, um, and you know, I think that he, he's one of those guys that I still think uh, is kind of coming into his own as a football player physically. So um, it'll be interesting to see just kind of how he does and what types of number he's puts up. Because um, he's in, again add him to the list of guys that I think that could surprise uh, when they get out there and you know have a chance to show what they're all about. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we wrap it up here on discussions from Nebraska's Pro Day. And um, y- you look at the draft streak. I mean, that, that's Nebraska's got this streak of like 45 years or whatever, having multiple players drafted, something like that, where um, this will be a year will be interesting. I think they'll have two guys drafted, Robin, uh, but it's going to be dicey. Yeah, it's, it will it's, be. it's not going to be a deal where we know on Friday night. I mean, it's going to go into Saturday as it's really a team of four to seventh round type picks or high free agent type guys. Yeah, and so it's it's probably going to be as risky as it's been in a while. Um, usually Nebraska always has you know those one or two shoe ins that you know are going to go. It's just a matter of where. But um, you know, hopefully with you know what both Seathan and Nate were able to do, um, both at the combine and a pro day, uh, we'll be able to you know kind of secure their spot to to keep this thing going. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as. Matt Reynoldson has had a bunch of S. Latimer's garbage to go through, uh, and and we will see if we got any real questions. Uh, but uh, that's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I, I think it's unmatched. Honestly, here it's just it's all football. Everything is is. Um, there's just no distractions, and I just I think it's wonderful. I think it's 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 great because I can just focus on school and football, and I don't know how to put it in words. It's that's all there is here. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we will take your questions here in the mailbag. That was quarterback Tanner Lee uh, just talking about his time here at Nebraska. It's been just over a year now for Lee, and not even a year. He got here in August, but. Um, just blown away by how much this place loves football, and none of us here are that surprised about that. But let's bring in Matt Reynoldson, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. Matt Reynoldson uh, joining us here on his spring break. You going anywhere fun, Matt, for spring break? No, just staying here, covering a little bit of baseball. It's supposed to be pretty nice out, so I'm hoping get a few nice days to spend outside, maybe go home and see the family. My nephew's actually here from Phoenix. I right. spent a little time with him. Well, you'll stay out of trouble, which is good. But <laughs> yeah. what do you got in the mailbag? And uh, and did S. Latimer make the mailbag this week? Well, he made the thread for sure. <laughs> he filled out the thread very well. But we had a few pretty good questions in there. But I did have to dig for him. So starting off, what player has made the biggest move on the depth chart since the start of spring practice? Ooh, um, from the I guess Eric Lee is one that today or Thursday we learned a lot about that. He really has emerged as as a guy. I mean, he's 
going to be in the mix as a, a, a key backup, maybe a dime corner or who knows. But I think Eric Lee's one, Robin, that jumps out right away. Yeah, that's definitely one. Uh, I'm having trouble thinking of another one uh, just because it's kind of remained the same as far as your first teamers. What about tight ends? I mean, there's some tight ends that maybe have emerged. I guess I guess the fact that Tyler Hoppus established himself as, I mean, the clear-cut number one. I mean, there was maybe some question about that. I think maybe a lot of people assumed he was going to be that guy, but he has locked that job up. He is the starting tight end for the start of 2017. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll name him and take the easy route. Yeah, you know, it is hard. Maybe a guy like Brian Reimers. Um, you, Re- you could Reimers. Throw it, yeah, Reimers, Reimdog. <laughs> Reimers. Yeah, Reimers. Reimers. Matt, what is it? It is Reimers. It's Reimers, okay. yeah. yeah. Grew up Matt playing know he's a sports with him, um, played soccer and basketball with him. It's Reimers. But, you know, I, I think he's a guy who's established himself as as a, a player who's going to play a key role at wide receiver. Uh, Keith Williams talking about, you know, he's a guy who can make all the plays, and now he's to the point where when he doesn't make a play, Keith Williams gets upset with him. You know, it used to be when he did make a play, he was super excited, but now when he doesn't, he gets very upset because he knows exactly what he could do. So I, I'd say Brian Reimers maybe. And people are excited about the passing game, but – a lot of people are interested in what the run game is going to look like now without really that quarterback run option there. So uh, give us a glimpse of what to really expect from the run game inside inside the tackles, outside zone. What are we looking at here? Well, they, they've really been trying to master two runs, the inside zone and the outside zone. And when Riley talks about having these identity runs, the inside zone run and the outside zone run, which are basically just kind of simple zone handoffs, uh, with zone blocking schemes up front. Uh, that's what they want to be, and that's what they want to do. It allows that offensive line to play physical. Um, but those, to me, Robin, have been the main running plays we've seen them work on all spring. Yeah, I saw a couple of those on Thursday, um, especially during the red zone work where um, you know, it's where the zone blocking to the right and the running back starts right and cuts back left on that kind of counter play, and it was wide open. Uh, I mean, you're talking about getting 10, 15 yards a pop. Uh, on those types of runs. So I think that's going to be a huge part of what they do. But also uh, keep in mind, you know, Mike Riley made it clear they were going to incorporate the draw game far more. So I think that's going to be um, something new that we may necessarily haven't seen over the past couple of years that's going to be incorporated far more um, just, you know, given the, the nature of the change of quarterback. Yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with Robin there. I feel like so far from what we've seen, I feel a little bit more comfortable with some of the outside zone that we've seen. Um, you know, the, they did work a lot on on the inside run game at the beginning of Thursday's practice. Uh, so, and we're going to see them continue to work on the run game and establish those identity runs. But, um, you know, that's definitely a key part of this offense that they're going to continue to work on. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions with Matt Reynoldson here in the mailbag. little statistical question right here an either or for you is it more likely that a nebraska defender has 10 plus sacks or a defender has five plus interceptions this year five plus interceptions i i I honestly if you put a gun to my head and said who's gonna have the 10 sacks i don't i don't know who i'd say i'd be like i'm dead (laughs) i i I really don't I, i i don't know who 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 that guy would be um 
Alex Davis. I mean, but he's yeah, not going to have ten sacks, guys. Yeah, that's I mean, a lot. No. I mean, who's going to have ten sacks on this nobody, team? Nobody on this team. And I agree with, with the interceptions, uh, not only because that's probably the most talented uh, area of the defense, but uh, you know, Mike Riley said it uh, after Thursday's practice. He thinks that the secondary is really going to be a strength, um, and they've made it made it an emphasis to take the ball away more than ever. Uh, talking with Aaron Williams. On Thursday, he said that is like the focal point. This entire secondary has kind of tried to ingrain in their brains, take the ball away, whether it's forcing fumbles, stripping the ball away, picking off passes, uh, taking the football is priority number one for this team. So uh, I think just by uh, the nature of that, you're going to see more uh, turnovers forced. And so I think primarily, primarily that's going to come through interceptions. Yeah, I'd have to go with the interceptions there. And, and Keith Williams made an interesting remark today where he said that they've faced more different types of coverages here in the first six practices this spring than they have since they've been at, since they've been in Nebraska. So um, there's a lot of talent in that back end, and I think Bob Diaco is is getting creative and using utilizing different coverages. Quick recruiting question about, um, well, how much of the class Nebraska will have filled by the fall? Uh, a question wondering if 75% of that class will be complete by the time the season starts. Well, you know, it's, it, that's crystal ball say. time, yeah, Nate. Hey, uh, I don't really want to, uh, you know, say anything definite, but I feel like we're going to know a lot more after this spring game. I think between the spring game and and the Friday night lights and the the big red weekends, by the end of June, we'll have a pretty pretty good read on exactly how far Nebraska's recruiting class is going to be filled up before the season starts. They're at three guys right now. I, I think they end up signing anywhere between 18 and 21. It's going to, you know, depending on how much room they and can. And there's going to be some attrition. Yeah. I mean, there's guys after this spring that are just going to leave. It happens, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the world we live in. So, You'll see two or three guys, I would think, leave here by the end of spring because it happens every year. You know, no doubt about it. And, you know, they were halfway home um, last year by, by July. I think they had 10 or 11 commits. They have three now, which is basically tracking right where they were last year, right around this time. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll probably be at, at least halfway done by the end of June, and maybe maybe close to 75%, but I don't know if they'll be all the way there. All right, we got time for one more question here in the mailbag. little open forum baseball question for you. If Darren Erstad is a stock, are you buying, selling, or holding on to what you got? I'm holding. I mean, I, I'm not a part of this club of overreacting fans in February that freak out when Nebraska loses a few games against top 25, top 10 competition um, as a Northern team in February. It's just reality. Every Northern team, even when Nebraska was greater than Dave Van Horn, they dropped most of these games in February. So uh, I really, I think it's way too early to buy or sell anything. They've made the dang tournament uh, two out of the last three years, and it could have been three out of four. The year they didn't make it, their RPI was 31, but they're one game under 500. Have they won a tournament game or, or a key, you know series or super regional, regional? No, but um, I still think that they're ho holding on. Um, yes, they could be better, but I don't think Darren Erstead by any means is in a bad job. Yeah, I, mean, I don't understand kind of why – 
there's such this just aggressive uh, <laughs> uh, mob mentality against Aaron Erstad. I mean, obviously, yes, they, they like Sean said, they, they could be better, um, you know, especially with the resources behind the program. But the reality is geographically, Nebraska is always going to be at a disadvantage. Uh, and so that's going to be something that they're going to be working uphill um, year in, year out, and the success that they've been able to have despite that. And I think a lot of people, when what comes down to it when nebraska moved to the big 10 they thought they were just going to sweep the conference because they don't associate baseball with big 10 well indiana's got a pretty good baseball program and you know there, there are other schools the michigan teams are yeah, both good within this conference that are putting out major leaguers and so uh you know i mean i think that people kind of undervalued how difficult this transition was going to be and so that's something that's and i think big 10 in. football money has helped baseball the mm-hmm. money this league makes in football has helped all the sports in the league, but I think baseball has benefited a little bit from Nebraska's presence in this league by having the tournament move to Omaha and things like that. But I really am impressed across the board. Matt, do you have something? Yeah, and I think I'm holding Erstad's stock right now, but I think a lot of people are concerned about the hitting production while Erstad is overseeing that department. You know, Nebraska, over the losses last weekend, averaged two runs a game. And that Frisco Classic averaging two runs a game, and three of those were garbage runs in when the game was over and it was a 15-2 game against Arkansas. Um, I think they're most concerned about the hitting right now, but then when people are most concerned, they go out and blast Western Carolina 10-0. And so Erstad said today, you know, it's a roller coaster ride of consistency, and they just need to find their medium. Yeah, it's a long season. After this weekend, though, they will only have 15 home games left. So um, if you want to get to Haymarket Park, you're only going to have 15 more days to get out there for games um, in April and May, which is not a lot when you when you look at it. But that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we will close things down with Nate Klaus as we'll talk some Husker recruiting next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, the way we the way we recruit here is that you recruit your own position, you know, across the country. And then we have we have areas that that, uh, that we we help out, you know, and try and dig in and find some guys. I'm not sure what, what my area is, but I know what my position is. What so, are you? Well, I'm you know, I've been all I've recruited everywhere. I've recruited in California. I've recruited in Texas, Florida, Chicago. I mean, I've I've recruited everywhere. So it really doesn't matter where they put me. I'll just do do the job that I have to do. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska's new safeties coach, Bob Elliott. I asked him this week, what are your recruiting areas, coach? We've heard all about kind of your, your background, where you've been. And he said, I can recruit everywhere. I've been all around the country as we bring Nate Klaus in. And, Nate, um, what's your early read on Bob Elliott? I mean, has he been able to do much in recruiting um, or has it just kind of been so early it's hard to get a read? Well, it's been pretty early. I, th- I think he has made a few offers so far. And I haven't talked with too many guys, though, that are, have been mentioning Bob Elliott by name. But I think it's just because it's been fairly early on in the process. And, um, you know, they, they haven't necessarily had a, a chance to make a, a ton of uh, or a very deep relationship with him yet. But I'll tell you this, he does have a – he comes with a fairly good recruiting reputation. He He's an energetic recruiter. Um, um, especially out in California, I know that that he has had some success out there. That's obviously a place where Nebraska is invested. So um, you know, and, and he has success recruiting the Midwest. He has some ties there, and that's another area. That, you know, the 500 mile radius. We talk about it all the time. That's a place where Nebraska wants to and needs to have success. So uh, Bob Elliott's definitely going to factor into that down the road. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting here in the Husker Online Show, Nate and. 
Um, it, it was somewhat of a busy week in recruiting. You had some on-campus visitors and some offers out there. Uh, let, let's run right through it. Uh, first of all, Nate, Nebraska had a quarterback on campus. Yeah, Tyler Shaw uh, out of Chandler, Arizona, Hamilton High School. And Hamilton's usually one of the top powerhouse programs in the state of Arizona year in and year out. Kind of had a little bit of a down year last year. Uh, but uh, it wasn't because of Tyler Shaw's play. He, he's a 6'5", 190-pound quarterback, uh, rated as a three-star prospect right now. Doesn't have a ton of big-time offers, but I feel like they're – coming I feel like they're they're going to be you know he's going to be one of those players that you know by the the end of the spring evaluation period is going to have 15 plus offers um, Danny Langsdorf watched his film last fall went and wa- watched him in person in January really came away pretty impressed with him has has not offered Tyler Shaw yet but um, they've been in communication it's one of those deals where I think Danny Langsdorf and Nebraska have a couple guys like uh, uh, Colson Yankoff and a Tanner McKee at the top of the board, and they're waiting to see how things kind of shake out with those two guys before they offer Tyler Shaw. But for the you know for them to come from Arizona to visit unofficially, I think kind of tells you that they're very interested. Um, they had a, a very good visit, plan on coming back to camp if need be to earn that offer, um, and definitely Nebraska by the time mid mid June rolls around, they should have. Have a much better feel for that quarterback uh, position and and where they're at recruiting these guys. And Nate, I thought it was interesting this week. Um, Todd McShane, who's kind of the new Ryan Gunderson for Nebraska, made a tweet, uh, basically just showing how excited he was about the visitors the coaching staff has talked about that will be coming in for the Red White Spring Game. You were able to find out a few of these big names this week. <clears throat> Give us an idea of what you know right now. Who could be coming in on April 15th? Well, we could uh, probably – That's fill, a whole two-hour yeah, special. Yeah, that's uh, like a whole two-hour special because it, as of now – and things are going to change. I mean, let me preface all of this by saying that there's going to be some movement. There's always some guys that fall off the board and some guys that, that are late additions. But as of right now, there are 13 – we've personally confirmed 13 – four-star or higher-rated recruits that are going to be on campus. And and to put that into perspective, last year's spring game was arguably the most talented group of guys, of prospects that I've seen on campus in a long time uh, for the spring game. And there were only eight or nine uh, four-star or higher-rated guys on campus. So um, they're already at 13. And I think there's another seven to ten guys that I've talked with that are four-star guys that have told me, uh, I'd like to make it. I'm, I'm really hoping to make it. I'm working things out. I'm working on, you know, planning on travel arrangements or, you know, talking with my parents or my coaches to figure out how to get to Nebraska. So, um, you know, 13, four stars so far, I feel like we're going to see that, that list kind of grow. Um, and, and I think you have to start off with TJ Pledger and the IMG Academy guys, uh, Bookie Radley Hiles, uh, Joshua Moore, um, you know, a handful of IMG guys that that uh, are all coming up. Obviously, this is going to be the second time, second spring game that Bookie Radley Hiles has been to, um, and he's kind of turned into the new Keyshawn Johnson Jr. of this class. Even though he's yet to commit to Nebraska, I feel like they are in a great position to end up landing his commitment. And he has been kind of recruiting for the Huskers. He's been telling all of his new teammates at IMG Academy 
how impressive uh, Nebraska is, what the atmosphere is like, what to expect on their spring game visits. So, um, you know, this is – I think he's going to be a very influential recruit um, in this class for Nebraska if and when the Huskers end up getting him. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as uh, we discuss recruiting storylines. Oh, Nate, things will kind of quiet down here over spring break. Coaches are going to go out of town – um, do you anticipate that, um, or do you still think there's going to be a lot of stuff that will break here over the next week? You know, I, I, I still think that there's going to be um, at least news, some like spring game confirmations and, and some new offers uh, that go out. Um, you know, I feel like it is going to slow down a little bit since the coaches are going to be on somewhat of a hiatus. But um, I'll be honest with you, I, a lot of these guys that I talk with say that that Nebraska is in touch with them pretty much on a on a daily basis, especially Keith Williams, Dante Williams. Those are two names that a lot of recruits tell me I hear from them every single day. So uh, and I think that's kind of ingrained into their natures, uh, nature as as recruiters. They're um, they're kind of passionate about the their craft of recruiting and uh, and I feel like if they're not reaching out to all their recruits every single day there's something wrong so uh, I feel like those are two guys in particular that are that are going to continue to recruit their guys at a high level and uh, and we're going to hear more more of their players kind of confirm for the spring game or or confirm for you know unofficial visits yet uh, this spring here over the next month or two and Nate that evaluation period is going to be here before you know it I mean the coaches literally will be out the day after the red white game probably is um, the way it works now you can pretty much be out six weeks over that uh, over that evaluation period yeah, starting April 15th, that's the first day, um, or actually the 16th. is. And you basically the, might go out four days a week. I mean, you break it up where you can be out all six weeks, right? Yeah, you, you have a certain amount of evaluation days in that six-week period that, that you can use as a staff. So um, in, in Nebraska and pretty much every, every team in the country kind of – uh, spreads things out throughout those six weeks to to use all those days and um, and I think what the kind of the strategy in the past used to be that they were gonna kind of go out and see as many guys in person as, as they as they could and make a ton of offers during that evaluation period but here over the last two years we've seen Nebraska try to get ahead of of the curve and and offer a lot of their top prospects prior to the evaluation period that way they could go and show these guys attention um, with an offer already on the table from Nebraska um, you know and, and thinking I think the thinking there is that it would mean a little bit more um, having already been identified and offered by Nebraska and then to have a coach come by uh, two times in the spring as they can they, they can go by the school and then they can evaluate at a, at a sporting event or, or something of that nature as well so um, I feel like Nebraska has kind of been taking a, a pretty uh, you know conservative approach in the, in the way that they're recruiting guys they're 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 aiming high um, you know out of the 160 or so offers that they've made about 140 of them are, are to players that are in the top 250 in the entire nation so they're they're definitely being um, you know pretty they're pretty they're aiming high I'll say that um, and and uh, there are going to be some new offers that obviously go out once they see see guys in person but uh, I think they're going to be flooding the market and, and hitting as many as their of their top targets as they can once the evaluation period gets underway well lots to talk about here I'm sure as we get into the weekend Husker baseball play but things will quiet down a little bit as uh, spring break will take place Huskers back in action March 28th but we'll be back again here next week with another edition of the Husker Online Show.
thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.